Hello and welcome to the B Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Uh, we are here this morning for our semi-weekly uh, Star Trek Away Missions review series on the last two episodes of Strange New Worlds, Lift Us Were Suffering Cannot Reach, and The Serene Squall. Today I am joined by the usual Away Team, Justin Ayotte. What's up? And Boris and Milos. So, Hello. Uh, I am I am eating uh, bioengineered uh, potato products uh, that's sold in a uh, tubular uh, box. Uh, I don't want to mention any Pickles. name, but they're but they're delicious. Press please. Pringles have that weird aftertaste, man. I've never liked those. That's just uh, me. Uh, John and that. Justin, I think it would be safe for you guys to turn off your cameras. Cause the only thing I'm getting is the blue spinning dots. So. All right. Okay. That's fine. I don't think there's any need for that. I don't have any issues with that. Just saying. Okay. I'm just watching the robot kinda, drop out again. It's kind of weird that it's just the blue spinning dot things. And it doesn't actually show the I know, thing. but I had your face there for a minute, but then it just vanished. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to try again to um, do the very short uh, plots. Just because I, I feel like we spend too long on those, and I want to get, especially with this one, I want to actually both of these. I want to get into uh, significant analysis, so we're gonna go real short on the plots. Um, we will start with uh, "Lift This Where Suffering Cannot Reach," um, which was season one, episode six. So basically, the Enterprise gets to the planet. They find um, showering. Or something? I'm having issues with someone's microphone. Okay. Um, so they get to a planet, they find a ship being attacked by another ship, like in orbit, and uh, Mike intervenes in the sense of like, he's basically just like, hey, stop it. Um, you know, this is bad. And the, the attacking ship attacks the Enterprise, which means they then have the right to step in and stuff so they uh the whole thing is comical because the other ship is so less advanced than enterprise that it's kind of funny yeah like they actually say like they shoot lasers at him and pike just kind of goes did that hurt us at all and, <laughs> yeah. and the person was the the helms helm person was like uh shields are down 0.02 percent not really a big deal <laughs> so they they tra- they get the the attacking ship to run off. Actually, I think uh, Uhura's doing like a security rotation with Lon. Yep. And so she fires off the weapons, and the, she's trying to just do enough just to kind of warn them off. And um, uh, they were turning. They essentially turn into the the phaser shot, so they get absolutely obliterated. Um, and then uh, they beam over the other. The people on the other ship, and it turns out to be people from this planet called Majalis, where one of them is a fake old girlfriend, um, and he turns basically turns into a twenty-year-old idiot uh, for quite a bit. Um, and this is one of my big problems with this episode. This is probably the first episode we're going to do for the show where I'm going to get kind of negative. Um, so. 
They're transporting this child who is going to, you know, they keep talking about how this, and they refer to him as the first servant. You never get an actual name for him. He's also... Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama. Okay, we'll call him the Dalai Lama. Uh, So then he's also accompanied by a guy by the name of Elder Gamal, who is actually his biological father. Um, And you have this character, Alora, that Pike was... Pike had some sort of relationship with in the past. So the idea is to transport them to the... I think, were they right over the planet, or were they heading towards the planet at the time? Heading toward the planet for uh, something, something. Okay. So then they, uh, you know, Alora spins a story, tells them, you know, uh, we were just heading somewhere, and this ship attacked us out of nowhere, claiming they wanted to, to kidnap the kid. Um, without the kid, you know, apparently this planet is, it's all lava and they live in like, the people there live in like floating cities and somehow, although it's all sort of vaguely alluded to, somehow this kid keeps that society running, basically, right? But they don't really say how or why. And Alora, the second they brought up the kid, I'm like, yeah, they're going to sacrifice him. Like, it was the most obvious thing in this whole season yeah. so far. See, it didn't... That didn't hit me at first. I kind of went, like... Here's what bothered me about this. And I guess we'll get in, get into this before, the, before finishing the plot, too. But um, here's what bothered me about this. Not only does this episode succeed in making Pike, Pike look like an absolute idiot who thinks with his penis... Um, as any man should. Right, but don't don't, <laughs> don't don't you think that given that situation, like you come across this group attacking the ship and whatever, don't you think in any in that situation pretty much any other captain looking at that would go like she's being very evasive about what they're doing? Uh, do we, you know, actually, John, I think you touched on the problem on, uh, on uh, both of these episodes that we're going to review. They have the same issue. Uh, nobody checked, uh, anything. I like the second one more, but yeah, that, that. Oh, here, here's, the, the, here's the, here's the, here's the with the episode six. Uh, mm-hmm. yes, the way they portrayed Bike for five episodes. Basically, they just threw it out of the airlock the second the cute girl showed up from his path. Yeah, I just didn't... Like, everything that they they have been building up with him is, like, he just threw it out. Like, at no point is he questioning what exactly is, like, if she's being evasive as hell, and no point is he, like, okay, like, why are you doing this? And she's like, oh, sleep with me, you'll forget it. Like... Yeah, I would have I would have to push back on that, because they... It's not so much that they threw everything out the window... There's obviously that there's history between the two of them, and there's obviously, you know, a relationship between the two of them from their previous encounter. So it's not really like, oh, a pretty face came on board and all of a sudden, you know, he's in the bed and, you know, getting rid of everything and blind yeah. to everything. It's, yeah, it's not you know, like it's a somebody, came on it's ship somebody on who's ship. a. Yeah, it's somebody who's a friend, it's somebody who he knows, it's somebody who he's had an experience with, and it's somebody who he's happy to see again. And so it's very different than, say, like, Kirk, 
you know, finding some green alien on some planet, banging them, and then finding out that they're really, like, implanting, you know, chest aliens into his chest or something. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's not it's not so as simple as that. But I, I can see how that can be, um, I guess, a negative for the episode. I really didn't see a problem with it, and I kind of thought it was actually good because it kind of showed that Pike is human. You know, Pike, you know can have these feelings or whatever, and then obviously be blind to certain things because of how you feel towards somebody or, you know, how, how much of a past relationship you've had with them. And then you come to find out what the true meaning of the society is and what it actually means to be perfect, what it actually means to be um, paradise, what it actually means to have no suffering and no disease. Well, somebody has to suffer. And so I, I kind of liked um, you know, kind of the, you know, the the idea of it. You know, I think you're 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 slowly turning me around on this one. I didn't like how this was executed, but I think the idea here is is really interesting. Um, well, an idea it, builds off of uh, actually plays off nice off of what we talked about, off of uh, Spock sacrificing Rat of Khan, and then later yeah. on with the whole like, you know, the needs of the you know one. The needs of the many are, you know. Yeah, so basically what you find out is, you know, and there's there's somebody in the, like, First Servants, like, Royal Guard or whatever that is essentially a traitor, and um, they, they find that out. What you find out of eventually is that this group on this other planet that they, that the, the Majalis government has painted as terrorists are just a group of people who don't agree with what they do with the first servant child, which we'll get into right now. Um, you find out at the end that basically this child is selected by a lottery system, and then they get hooked up to a computer that runs, that essentially runs their society, and the, the child's life is essentially sacrificed to do that. And, um, you know, like Justin said, like, you know, Pike is, because I don't think the Magellans think anything of it as a negative, Pike is brought in to witness this just because the the woman thinks it's important for him to see it, but not out of, like, not out of any sort of, like, hey, this is what we do, leave us alone. It's just, like, to them, it's, like, this sacred thing, and it's a, it's a big deal to let an outsider see it. So, Pike understandably freaks out. He's like, what are you doing? You're killing this fucking kid for whatever reason right <laughs> and, and uh, he basically you know it happens and whatever he doesn't stop it um and then you know there's a debate about he debates with Alora about like you know she makes the point of like how do you know in your federation that there aren't children suffering somewhere that your society is turning a blind eye to and whatever Again, an interesting point that I think my problem with this episode two to a degree is like, and Corey brought up that there's not really a lot of room for debate because they don't, because it's a non-Federation planet, they can't actually do anything. But And they're I'm, not trying to enter the Federation either, so. Right, but I'm used to, you know, the thi you would bring up something like this, if, if this were TNG, you'd bring up something like this halfway through it, and then the second half of it would be 
them trying to figure out the mora- what the moral position was and if there was some alternative way to do what they were doing. But I just feel like a lot of your... I, my problem with it was the way it was structured, like, at no point does anyone on the crew do anything active in the story. They're just kind of dragged around by it. Just so that you can get to that... Just so that you can get to that ending where Pike has to watch the kid get sacrificed and whatever. Um, I even expected, like, there's a whole side plot with Mbenga because this society has completely eliminated disease in any way. And he's trying to, you know, he thinks maybe he can use some of their technology to fix his kid. So the the dad at the end, kind of agrees to give him... He doesn't give him, like, anything he can use immediately, but he kind of gives him, like, the theoretical building blocks of how their medicine works. Um, I was kind of hoping for, you know, that Mbenga would actually try to do something to, like, maybe he would he would try to steal the technology or something or or get somebody to give it to him, even though they shouldn't have done that. You know, I was just... I was just waiting for something where somebody from the crew was actually going to do something. Yeah, but you said it. But you said it yourself, dude. I mean, this is a non-federation planet. There's not much they can do without risking, you know, uh, an um, intergalactic incident. Oh yeah, I get that. I just thought it was weird that like there was this whole story that they were all essentially spectators to, and there was just no active role whatsoever. Um, yeah, uh, to me, you see, I see it from a different angle, I guess, so because, uh, you know, in a way, you know, uh, Star Trek is usually, you know, they try to teach us, you know, how, how different we all are, you know, different nations, different cultures and whatnot. And sometimes you will encounter things that you will not know what to do about. Like, there's nothing, even if you try to do something, you'd be completely helpless, you know, and unable to do anything about it. I think that this was just one of those situations. Yeah. I I mean, you know, uh, Star Trek has these episodes where, I mean, there's been times where, like, you know, Picard goes and, you know, hangs out with some sort of alien thing or whatever, or goes out with Vosh or whatever, you know, and has his own little adventure while the rest of the crew doesn't really do anything or is just involved in some sort of fighting, which, I mean, you know, which essentially is what this episode seemed to be, is that it's more of a... Um, more of a uh, philosophical episode more than, say, like, you know, breaking the prime directive again or something, you know what I mean? Or going against regulations or something. You know, it, yeah. it was just more of like, uh, you know, you had a, you had a nice, you had a nice little storyline with the, the surrogate father and the, the, the first servant, which I mean, you know, obviously at the end you see that it becomes more of a, a real father and son type of relationship to at least the, the guy who's you know the doctor and then you don't then you also see kind of like that connection between him and mbanga and um you know it, that was a nice little uh thing and then also um you know i mean you do have uh like a little bit of action but i mean i don't know i mean i guess i guess what i'm guess what i'm kind of seeing from you guys is that it was more of the fact that there really wasn't like a whole lot of action going on, which I mean, I guess is true. But once again, that also kind of goes back to regular Trek, which I mean, you know, usually doesn't have a great amount of action, you know, I I guess, I guess I misstated that. I mean, to me, it's not, to me, it's not that it's, it's not like, that's not not what he's, they're not, they're not, 
shooting shit. It's just like normally even in these in these philosophical episodes, you know, you would have if it was TNG for example, you would you know, they would take some position on what something that some other planet was doing and they would they would actively be doing something, whether it was action or not. This just kind of felt like the way they wrote this, the entire the the Enterprise crew is just watching this happen and they don't actually nothing actually takes place. Like they're just kinda sitting in the background watching this. Well that's well that's because you don't find out until the end what the true purpose is for the, the and then at the end you kind of find out that, you know, maybe there should have been action taken or maybe there should have been, you know, something. And which, once again, goes to the fact that, you know, it kind of shows that Pike was kind of blind because of the relationship he had with the person who was looking over the Ascension that, you know, maybe he shouldn't have, you know, put his personal feelings in front of duty and stuff and maybe looked into it a little more. I mean, you had... um you had um, uh, uh, the Khan ancestor, Lu- Lu- Luana, 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 whatever the hell her name is. I think they. And, I think it's. And, I think it's technically pronounced Luana, but Luana, Luana. Okay, they whatever. All do it, and, they all pronounce it differently too. So. Yeah. Okay. So Khan's ancestor, and um, and then also with um, uh, uh, uh when they were doing their little investigation and obviously they were showing the cracks in the seams of this whole thing or whatever. So, I mean, you did have some members of the crew, you know, going and searching out what the actual true purpose is of everything, you know what I yeah. mean? So I don't know. I mean, I, I guess what, I guess I can see what you're saying, but also, I mean, there is some of that in there. It just kind of seems like, you know, the fact that this was kind of like a more quieter episode, seems to be kind of like the more negative thing rather than, you know, some of these more not necessarily action packed episodes, but it just seems like in these other the other previous episodes there were like a little more going on. But um yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you need these quieter episodes and sometimes you just need to have that philosophical question of, you know, um, you know, like like you guys were saying after I said the thing, you know, you mentioned the um, you know, uh the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Well, this this one's putting into question, well, is that so much what we should be thinking? You know what I mean? That, that's what I got out of it. Because yeah. in this case, they are putting the needs of the many before the need of the one, which is the child that ends up becoming the, uh, you know, the servant to keeping their society the way it is. You know, that yeah, one I child Yeah, I think Alora does bring it up at one point when she does say, like, you know, what could you do? Like you know, if you knew they were sacrificing one child and save all the others, like would you do it? Yep, I also. It's a valid question for sure. Yeah, no, and I definitely think Justin, you're you're bringing up an angle to this that I not that I necessarily that I didn't consider, but I think I was just I was so overwhelmed by like the the why is Pike being such an idiot here, like. I think it just colored my entire view of it, really. Um, so I think in future future watchings, because I know I'm going to go back and watch this entire season again, probably more than once, um, that will probably, the discussion we've just had will probably kind of tilt my view of it in a more positive direction than I initially had. 
Um, it also makes me, I think also at, at a certain point, um, like, I know that that speech that Alora gives toward the end where she, like, challenges him on, like, how do you know that, you know, there aren't children in your federation who are miserable and whatever. I think this is... Yeah. This is a this is a downside of how much Star Trek there's been and how much we know about how Federation society works because I just I knew that moment was supposed to have weight too. We're supposed to consider that. But me as an audience member, I immediately go, Well, of course we know that's not a thing because that's not how the Federation works. Like Exactly. Yeah. There, there wouldn't be a single person in poverty be, on Earth because or in the Federation because that's how the Federation works. Like yes. There's, it's supposed to be this moment where, and maybe in, in a universe where this was the first or second Trek show, we don't have hundreds of hours of established shit to tell you this, then uh, that that moment of him, of her challenging him on, like, how do you know there aren't, you know, children living in squalor somewhere in your federation where the people who have everything they want look the other way, like... We know that because there have been like 800 hours of Star Trek telling us that's not a thing. Um, well, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, true in the on Earth and on a lot of those places like, yeah, you know, poverty really isn't whatever. But there is Federation space where there are colonies where I'm sure people don't live the greatest lives. You know, I mean, we've also seen that in many of Trek so I mean I can I can see where the yeah, pushback but, would be like you know for Pike to be like well we you know we've gotten rid of poverty on Earth blah 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 but yeah, it's but, like you know there are other, these there are other colonies where we've noticed that like conditions aren't as great as they should be you know but that's because people choose to live outside yeah. of what you know they deem the Federation deems as their paradise which may or may not be paradise. Unfortunately, we see it from the Federation's point of view. But there's been a few times where, like, they've gone, well, you know, maybe maybe what the Federation's idea of, of, of greatness is, you know, may not be so great. So, Yeah, yeah. but you're forgetting that, uh, you know, in order for a planet to enter the Federation, uh, I mean, it's strict. There are strict rules and guidelines and, you know, objectives that a planet needs to fulfill before entering the Federation. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, but not even yeah, but not even just the planets. I'm just saying, like you know, outposts or whatever. You know what I mean? There's been, you know, there's been, you know, villages or whatever that you know the Enterprise, you know, A, B, C, D, and E have all stumbled upon that they go, oh, why are Federation citizens living like this, or why are they out here with whatever? You know what I mean? And or why are they living in these kinds of conditions? Or even people who necessarily like during the whole Bajoran thing back when um they were showing um at the end of TNG when you get Ro to come on and they and they were talking about all that you see like those kinds of things which they aren't they aren't necessarily part of the federation but still it's like you know you you're trying to invite these people in but it's like you know federation is a big place yeah yeah, so you know you you, you can't you can't say that there's no poverty at all everywhere because Federation space goes outside of Earth and Vulcan. You know what I mean? Which unfortunately, yeah. a lot of times people just consider it being Earth and Vulcan. 
Way to go, Justin, making the uh, the the opinion turning <laughs> argument. Nice job. Well, uh, uh, actually, actually, since we're on Justin, Justin, do you think that maybe the state of uh, certain uh, Federation uh, planets may be an indicator of this being another another timeline? Oh, this again. <laughs> Oh, better this than the, tra than the translator shit. <laughs> well, uh, hey, it was a good thing they had a linguist on board because they couldn't put it through the translator without, like, you know, showing a breadcrumb trail. So it was a good thing that horror, after we were talking about in the Search for Spock review, how I said, you know, what what's the point of a, a linguist when you have the universal translator? Well, obviously, they just answered my question on this episode. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go, man. Like they knew, that, man. They knew. And the the part of the 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 B plot with Lana and Uhura, you know, I I didn't. I think they need to pick a lane with this Lon character because I'm 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 trying desperately to like this person, right? But you know, they spend the first couple episodes, you know, kind of making you give a shit because I think they they think that you know obviously the. A lot of the audience is going to go, well, she's related to Khan, so she's going to turn evil at some point, or whatever. So yeah, I, I don't see that happening. I think they're trying desperately not to do that and to make you actually like this person, but I just, aside from this... I think you're not at the point where you're like six episodes in, and you're figuring out that you have, your cast is way bigger than you can cover. Yeah. <laughs> which is why you don't see Hammond, which is why... You know, Laan doesn't get enough. And, you know, yeah. and Ortega gets like a couple of lines every episode, and that's kind of her thing now. Well, the and funny thing is, though, is it is it that much bigger of a cast than the other shows have had, or is it just that you don't have the twenty five episodes per year to to blow it? Exactly, episodes, John. I think episodes. Count that's exactly like right, John. A lot more than like uh, plot wise, like they can yeah. put together a lot better plots just because they don't have to fill in twenty four episodes. But the fact yep. that they don't, they don't have any filler episodes means that you can't give, you know, Hammond right. the whole part really, and a couple of episodes of, to develop him and stuff like that. In terms of positions, like they've got all the same all the same roles that the other shows have. Like there's always an engineer, there's always a science person, there's always a security person, there's a pilot. It's all the same. Wait, wait, wait. We have a we have a chief engineer. Yeah, we do. He doesn't show up much. <laughs> yeah, I, I see this going the same route that uh, Tasha Yar went. I see Lan being killed off by a skin of evil type character or some such uh, at the end of uh, season uh, two, probably. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I, wonder I don't too. think so because it's not like they did take time and some effort to actually develop her to a point. Like, you can see them, as John said, they try to do, like, they try to make a lover. I don't think they kill her off just because. Well, because I, at I, one I, point, if they're going to bring in the new New Sing uh, connection, like, maybe, like, they're going to need her after, on the show for that. Like I said uh, before, I think that uh, character, uh, the Sing character, I think she's, uh, she's the proof to Justin's theory about this being another timeline. So, you know, you never know. If uh, they decide to kill her off, they may end up uh, killing off uh, the uh, this being uh, an alternate uh, universe or whatever. But uh, 
you know, if they kill her off, that, that might happen. But if they don't kill her off, uh, it might just go to prove Justin's theory, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't really see um, them necessarily, like, going to kill off anybody in particular. Um, just because it kind of seems like they're trying to get, uh, like, a footing right now. And especially with her, she's really in a lot of episodes. And she's kind of a bigger deal than, say, Tasha was in those season one episodes. Oh, yeah. So it, it sure, would be kind of sure. weird for them to do something like that. I could see at some future point, depending on how how far that, how long this show goes, and God, I hope it goes for a long-ass time. Um, I could if see they're going to do yeah, 10 episodes per season, I hope they go time. for 14 seasons. Yeah, yeah, but God. if you don't for the longest time, then you have all of a sudden the episode count where you can develop characters. Like, right. I don't know why Boris even brought it up or why we're even discussing killing off anybody when you're six episodes in. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. And also, and also like, and also, of course I, it doesn't know. make any sense. That's why I brought it up. I know. That's what you do. <laughs> they don't know you like I know you. You can't say that's a crap statement. Let's move on. They're like, oh, let's discuss it. It's hey man, I mean, and I'm like, it's a valid point. It's a valid point. It's a valid point. Stupid one. <laughs> uh, I never said it was a smart point. Yeah, I mean, really, in terms of it's all this, it's all the same people in all the same roles. So, I mean, I think it's more just a function of like, you don't have 25 episodes a year to build these people with. Actually, like, the only show that got it right was DS9. If you think yeah. about it. Yep, and if you well, if you want if you wanted to eliminate somebody that you know fills kind of an unnecessary role, it would be Chapel. Which please no, um, <laughs> no, you know, well, not really. She doesn't, seven, she doesn't like, really. Whatever they're doing, whatever they end up doing with her and uh, Spock, like you know, like, I I don't see them getting rid of anybody. No, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, you're, I don't, you're one, you six, you six episodes in. You're not even like you just. Fast the halfway season point of the season. The show's doing I mean, good. I don't know what the reviews generally are, but I'm mm-hmm. guessing the audiences love it. It's like, why would you, you know, you keep doing what they're doing because so far they're doing a bang up job. I I haven't heard, and you know, granted, it's mostly just people on Facebook and stuff, but I I haven't heard a single negative thing. Anybody say a single negative thing about this show? In there you six, go. So why would you even consider? Oh, like let's kill her off and let's actually, dump her yeah, out of I, yeah, I heard people like, saying Madame not liking this show, but they're like, ladies, still there. It's like you're gonna kill anybody, yeah. you're gonna kill her off. Yep. So Justin, you you turned me around on this one, I think, and I will. Yeah. Pl- yeah. Plus, I was gonna say, like you know, like for TNG, for example, um, they had 175, 176 episodes. How many of those were actually like Geordi centric, or how many of those were Beverly centric? Of those 176, there were probably maybe five Geordi episodes and maybe like five or six Beverly episodes. So, and then Deanna, like, you know, maybe she had five to 10 episodes. So, you know, unfortunately for a show like this, you would need to go like 17 seasons in order to have that kind of length. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I so it kind of goes into your like twenty episode thing. Yep. I also think the idea. Yeah, but if you're the... gonna look at the episode count, like just okay, like yeah, Hammond hasn't been around, but like we did bring this up when we did 
past episodes, we have reviews. It's like they are taking the time to develop other characters. Yeah. They're not just they're giving, just, you know. Now he, fell off, now he fell off a little bit, I guess. But it's like the tempo they said at the beginning, like if they follow that up to the end, it's like he would, this would be the best season of any show ever, in my opinion. So like you, you have to expect a drop down, but it's like it, even still, like it still took the time. Yes, I think the six episode six is somewhat of a different than pretty much all the other episodes that came as far as like what the actual plot is and stuff like that. I will bring up this point. At one point, the society, whatever it was, he, like he did put up shields, did put shields up, where they did try to teleport Pike and the child off on the planet, but they just didn't do it. Yeah, I was kind of confused. I, I was kind of confused just, by like, that. Sit there twiddling their thumbs, like uh, number one was in charge, and number one was actually trying to do something. Like this was last week, so I would have to rewatch the episode just to remember everything more clearly, but they were trying to bring them back to the planet. At one point, they did figure out something's horribly wrong. And most of that happened when they talked to the father, whether it was a Benga or whoever it was. Like, they were talking to, like, they figure out something's horribly wrong. And they were like, okay, let's just beat him up and take it from there. But they couldn't beat him up. But at that point, the episode itself mm-hmm. moves away from the Enterprise. Oh, to a point and Enterprise couldn't influence it in any way because they couldn't beam anybody up and they couldn't beam down. So it's like they were the spectators because that's how the episode progressed. Yep. No, I think I was kind of confused by the, the thing where, you know, that other ship shows up again or, or the... The group that on the other planet that's opposed to the whole first servant thing, like, appears to take the kid and the dad, and then the the dad comes back, and you find out. Oh, the, the kid... way the way I remember it, dad and the child tele- teleport away, right, and uh, to to the smaller ship, right, and then uh, they beam they beam the dad back, but they figure out that somehow the child wasn't on the ship. And the kid and was actually. Point, I think it was. I think it was Spock. Who at that point figures out that the child was never, never right. teleported off of the Enterprise, and they, I guess they my start question, piecing it up together. I guess my question though was like, if that hadn't been found out, like, what was the larger goal of that? Like, you, they thought the kid was on the was on the opposing ship, and they blow it up. So then the kid dies, and they that somehow yeah. gets that somehow gets that planet to stop doing that? Wouldn't they just pick another kid? Well, somewhere? here's the thing. Uh, I don't think they have a standby child already. Right. By the time they get the new special one or whatever they called it, like Their whatever's happening to the yeah. planet, like society, society, so whatever. Yeah, they... Society is wrecked in the time it takes to... Yeah. He, yeah, they essentially what they do is it seems like they brainwash the kid into essentially believing that what they're doing, you know, by sacrificing their life, you know, for society is some higher noble cause or whatever. So they essentially seem to breed this child and brainwash it from essentially being a baby until it's, you know, the age that of ascension or whatever to basically, you know, sacrifice itself for the betterment of society 
So I'm sure they don't have a second one in waiting, and that's why they try to guard this child with all their might or whatever. And so with the father angle, what he did is because he was part of this group from uh, the, that planet or whatever that you know, was trying to get him, um, he, he basically made it seem like the kid was on the ship. So that way everybody on the planet would think the kid was dead. And would cause the planet to go into chaos and to stop doing yep. this type of ritual ceremony. And then it probably seemed like he was going to eventually grab the kid and bring him to Prospect 7 or whatever the hell the planet was called. Okay. Um, you know, to try to get him away from this life so that way he could be an actual child. Because he eventually felt those fatherly feelings toward him, even though he was essentially like a, like a, like a, basically like a bodyguard or whatever for this kid, yeah. you know, and it was kind of forced upon him, and then now the he feels was, like it's actually a kid. I don't think the dad was in the group. I think he was taking advantage of it. Well, he, yeah, you know, that wasn't, yeah, wasn't that, that's what I meant. Yeah. The only way I can see my kid. He even says, I think he says towards the end, he says to him, Bingo, like, I thought they were, I thought those people were scum that were trying to wreck our society, and they tried to they tried to save my kid, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So what I think I think what it is yeah I, I didn't mean like they, he was actually a member of the group. I meant like you know like he was essentially like joining with them <laughs> to save the kid, you know, because you know they they wanted the, essentially the father and the group want the same goals, but for different reasons. You know, the father wants to save the kid because he feels fatherly feelings towards him now, but the group wants to stop the ceremony. So they'll, you know, basically do it without killing the kid or whatever, because they know that the kid's going to die because of the ceremony. So essentially, they also want to save the kid, but it's not really an emotional reason, you know, towards the kid. It's more of an emotional reason towards like society becoming essentially normal i guess you know because i mean yeah. this is in any moral sense it's abnormal to think oh yeah we're just going to sacrifice this one kid you know every generation to like you know save the planet or whatever it's you know it's very abnormal but i mean you know you could also say that it's abnormal for us to do what we do the whole planet will go kaboom because like they actually because the way everything's built off on lava fields and whatever Whatever they yeah. designed or engineered to hold the planet together without the kid, they go bang. It's like that planet isn't gonna survive. Yeah, I think. Kid. Yeah, I think it was just more. I think the negative of this episode was more of, um, they, you know, they didn't do a good enough job of, um, you know, basically building up the world that they were talking about, and and that kind of seems like that's slightly an issue with this show. If there is a negative with this show, is that like even that episode where um, uh, the planet wanted to become part of the Federation or whatever, and then Pike went down mm -hmm. and you know showed like stuff from Earth's past or whatever. Yeah. Like I think I think that's what the problem is: is that they because of the the time that they have, and because they want to build up so many characters and have so many storylines, um, they they lacked the idea of trying to really hone in on what the point of the society was trying to build up some of this back stuff, which I mean, I guess you could build up later on, 
but it's like i guess that's kind of where the negative would be is that like you didn't really you don't really understand everything until towards the end and even at the end it's kind of like well you didn't really fully explain that you know in order for it to make sense yeah, or in I order think, for it I to have you a, made like, a it thing. like a two-part episode you're right. Go a lot deeper into the how the society works. Yeah, and you're then, right. Like, but it's it's too far, then you can explain it better. You're right, but it's the downside of the. This is the downside of the. Everything on this show has to be, and I prefer it in a lot of ways what they're doing on Discovery and Picard right now. But this is a downside to the. Uh, everything has to be single episode here. Um, where yeah. yeah, but yeah, but they've. But Trek, but Trek has done that before, though, and they've done it in a more concise way. I mean, yeah, sure, there's been episodes where, you know, it's like, well, why is Picard doing that, or why is Cisco doing that? But in in the general sense, they basically made the episodes where, like, in 45 minutes, you could tell a whole story from beginning to end without needing to, like, wait, why did that happen, or why did this happen? Because they gave you point by point all the important info you needed. The problem with this show is that is that one of its strengths is that it's trying to build up all the characters at once, which is great. But the problem is, is that that's also a negative because now it's like, well, instead of explaining to us what the point of this planet was and what things needed to do on this planet, you're focusing on Pike and the girl and you're focusing on Mbemba and and the the other doctor father guy and you're you're focusing on the security thing so there's too many storylines going on at once if you're trying to kind of have a concise episode and you're trying to explain what a society is doing and having a philosophical episode sometimes you need to just say hey the crew of the enterprise is just not going to do anything today and we're just going to kind of explain what's going on here and they're just going to react to what's going on on that planet and whatever. I mean, you know, you don't have to have uh, an ABC storyline every time if in Trek, if you're trying to explain something like that. And that's kind well, of the problem that, that they fall it's into. Not just that, but it's also the character development aspect, uh, as opposed to the plot development. As in, you can develop yeah. the plot through the characters, but if you focus too yeah. much on character development, uh, in this particular episode, I think the plot suffered a little bit. Because yep. everything was still character-driven when you needed plot explained. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and also, this was, you know, you talk about the ABC plot stuff. This was the first episode where I did not give a flying shit about the B-plot. Like, the whole... The B-plot was basically Lon uh, teaching Uhura security stuff, which is basically just Lon being a bitch. And um, Uhura just kind of... You know, and she ends up having the doing the big investigative thing that figures everything out. But it was just like I don't need, you know, you you spend all this time like trying to get me to like this on person, and then suddenly she's a bitch to the character that everyone loves. It's like, uh, no. Um. So yeah, this was a this was a great discussion on this one. I was hope this was what I was hoping we would get here. Um. So why don't we move to uh, the Serene Squall, which um, I did like a little more than the previous one. But I, like I said before, I do think my I do think my opinion of the the one we just discussed will change over time, and given some of the points that Justin made. Um, so basically, this and, one. 
Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you like this one a little more, and actually I like this one a little less. So now we're on the opposite ends on this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this one basically, uh, they're going out to like the Federation border because a, a Federation counselor, I believe is what they try to say that she was, has asked for well, their she help. Used to be, she used to be a... Counselor on the ship on the station, but then kind of went into communitarian aspect of and, things once something and then she decided off. to go like decided to go like help uh, frontier worlds do stuff instead. Um, so she asks the yeah, Enterprise. She was off for me like the moment she shows up. I'm like, okay, she's the big bad in this one. Um, yes, I, I told them that would be that. I mean, that, that, that she, the moment she appeared, she said she, she had an evil face. I, I, she was just off. Like, I was like, okay. Like, she, no, I thought she was definitely off. So basically, she, she, tells, she tells Pike, you know, there's this, this group, of, group of colonists out, out, out at the frontier that's being harassed by this uh, ship of space pirates, basically. They go out to try to stop that, and you know this character is a you know she's put across as a like a Federation counselor who uh, was as Milos said was working on a starbase and uh, stopped doing that to help with stuff on the frontier. She has a very strange relationship with Spock, where like she's very forward towards him about like, well, you know, you're. Um, you know, we find to... out later why, but the the thing yeah. I have is uh, why was uh, I mean, and this is what happens at the end of the episode. Uh, it kind of doesn't make sense uh, because this whole thing could have been avoided. Uh, is there no picture on file for this person? Well, I almost well, we'll get to that in a second. But I also real I want to credit them with uh, the stuff at the beginning with praying at the re rehabilitation place where you get her like log thing mm. she's trying to she's trying to like study humanity so that she can understand spock better and of course the the way they decide to go is that, is that she becomes fixated on human sex and so she basically goes and reads a bunch of romance novels and then there's a discussion with Spock about, you know, she just keeps listing off titles of books and you can hear him kind of go. And this, to me, this was a great, a great character moment for Peck because we've never seen, this is a position we've never seen Spock put in where he's like, I don't, you know, she starts list, listing books off and he just kind of goes like, what? Uh, no, I've never read that. Um, what? Why are we talking about this? Uh, can I? Can we talk about anything else in the in the entire fucking universe, please? Uh, maybe <laughs> we should read these books together as a couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I real. I thought a lot of that stuff was really cute, and he. That was a really logical answer to what she yep. was saying. Maybe we should read those books together. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy that. Um, and Tapring will obviously come back in this. Um, toward the end. Um, so you find, you know, this, this woman, this, well, I believe she was a, a non-binary person, because they said they a lot. Um, well, you can see just from the looks of it, like, you know, yeah. she's supposed to be non-binary. So, they basically get, the ship gets taken over by Orion pirates, 
And I gotta say that well, the one of the guys was Ryan, and I gotta say that guy, that single guy, was more more threatening and more effective than anything they've done with that fucking emerald chain thing on Discovery for the last two years. Um, yeah. So the pirates take the ship over. Um, Spock and the doctor, I believe the character's name was Doctor Austin. Are left Chapel. on the ship, and Chapel is Chapel. Yeah, Chapel. Oh, it was Aspen. Yep, you're right. Yep. Okay. Um, so Chapel. I just also, watched it, so you know, I should know. Yep. So Chapel also figures out what's going on, and she she avoids being picked up by these people. Um, so it's basically the three of them doing the diehard on the Enterprise, um, while the rest of the Which crew. Which they've done already. Yeah, with a uh, starship mine, for example. Um, yep. But yeah, I thought it was more effective. I thought it was more effective with Picard, just because it was Picard, um, mm. and it was such a it was such a departure from what they would normally do with Picard at that time that it was almost more effective based on that. Um, also, also not to not to get too much on a seg- uh, segment, but. Um, Going back to our last conversation about the crew not having a whole lot to do, that's all, that Starship Buying is a great episode, but it's also an episode where the rest of the bridge crew doesn't really have a lot to do except be in that room and try to get out of that room where it's more of a Picard episode where he's going around setting traps and basically being the John McClane, um, you know, on the Enterprise before the sweep comes by or whatever. So it's another episode where it's like kind of like focused on one character over everybody else, and it still does the job. So most of the most of the Enterprise crew is on on the uh, Orion ship at that point, and uh, and uh, Pike basically starts trying to mess with the the Orion guy immediately. He's like, "Yeah, why don't I, you know." Um, you, you know, I'm sure your crew hasn't had a decent meal in forever. Why don't I cook for you, and then we can test things? Because uh, number one puts a computer lock on the Enterprise, so they can't they can't go and you know the the pirates can't actually do anything with the ship because she locks the computer down. Um, so the Orion guy is trying to get the codes out of him, and I was thinking to myself. Were there like are there like standard codes you're supposed to use that he would have, or would he not even have them because number one did it and she probably made something up off the top of her head. Um, so while that's going on, um, the rest of the crew ends up over there and Mike basically tries to get the crew on the pirate ship to to like mutiny against this Orion dude. But they don't realize at that point, and you find it out on the ship, is that the Dr. Aspen character isn't really who she says she is, and she's actually the head of the pirates. Um, and you find out that the whole reason for this, which I was I was shocked there was not some easier way to do this, right? Like, you couldn't it's get... It's the stupidest like, reason ever, John. It's the stupidest reason ever. The whole thing was a sham from the beginning. I don't know. I've I've seen I've seen stupider on Star Trek. I I was oh just thinking, for sure. Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be okay? So for sure, the whole you know. Basically, the whole thing is that 
She wants... She doesn't even really care about the Enterprise. She wants Spock. And it's not entirely clear at first why. But then they go to the, the Vulcan moon where T'Pring hangs out at that uh, rehabilitation place. And she says, okay. My, and uh, as Aspen, she had her, I guess her name was Angel in reality. Uh, yep. As Aspen, she had made allusions to having a Vulcan husband who was not did not necessarily follow the path of logic. Um, and that immediately made me go somewhere, which we will get to in a second. Um, so then you find out so she basically wants Spock because she's gonna go to she's gonna go to Tapring and say, you know, you have somebody in your complex that I want. I'm gonna, you know, give him to me or I'm gonna kill your your boyfriend. Or your fiance, or whatever he is. Um, so then, Spock, in a moment of, you know, and Chapel's on the bridge as well. You know, she, she's basically turned on them after making it look like she was working with them this whole time. Um, Spock, in a moment of uh, human ingenuity, says, you know, he kind of turns to Chapel and goes, uh, Forgive how forward I'm about to be, just kind of, but just kind of go with what I'm doing. Um, he, he basically oh, says lead. to Pring, yeah, he basically says to Pring, yeah, I've been sleep. I can't control my uh, human emotions anymore. I've basically been sleeping with Chapel this entire time, and um, so they, you know, they basically have like a fake makeout thing in front of her, which the pirate person doesn't buy for a minute. She's like, oh, you're insane. There's no way she would believe this. Um, so they they go through the, the you know, pro forma thing of, of ostensibly breaking their marriage bond or whatever, and then Spring just goes, okay, well, I'm not going to give you... I'm, now, that, now that I don't give a shit about him, I'm not going to give you this person that you're looking for. So... They give the name for this individual of Zavarius initially. So mm -hmm. Cool audience, name. Cool name. Then the, then the audience kind of goes, all right, whatever. So um, the whole thing gets... Uh, Pike shows up. They, the, the bridge crew, the Enterprise bridge crew has taken over the pirate ship. Um, uh, they were basically sowing the mutiny seeds this whole time, and it, I guess it works. I couldn't tell if it worked or they just got enough opportunities to take over the bridge on their own. It didn't it look worked. like probably both. Probably the both. Was still going on, though. Yeah, because it didn't look like the the pirate people were helping them all that much. It looked like they were pretty much fighting them. No, all well, they come in the the bridge and then lock themselves in. I think the that they managed. Uh, I think they managed to get the uh, pirates to fight among themselves and they were, you know, and since they are the best of the best of the best, sir, they just went out over the bridge and, you know, took yeah. care of business. I love the stuff with Pike where he was, you could see him even before he, like, says it verbally, you can see him, like, messing with the guy and you can see that he's, like, trying to, like, like even little stuff, like, I don't understand why you take so much shit from your crew. Like, you're in charge. What are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Like, even from the very beginning, you can see him starting to do that before they call out what it is he's actually doing. Um, so then, you know, they 
they get the Enterprise back, the the chick runs off, I'm betting any amount of money we will see this person again, even if it's not oh, yeah. necessarily... It might not be in the last three episodes of this season, but since we know that season two is already happening, I mean, I I would almost guarantee you we'll see this person again. Um, and then, you know, he... Uh, Spock goes down to chapel and says, you know... Uh, thank you for playing along. I wanted to, and it, you know, if anybody other than the way Peck has played this character to this point had done this in this way, I would have been like, oh, this is just an alien condescending to a human. Oh, gross. Um, where he was just like, you know, he wanted to go down and talk to her about what they had to do, and he was just like, you know, I know you're a human, and maybe you want to talk through that, but, you know, and I... I initially went, oh, is he is he condescending to her right now, or is he just... But I think he actually did legitimately kind of want to, if she was bothered by it or whatever, I think he kind of did want to... He kind of did want to help her get through it, and she was just like, you know, this is the thing I like about Vulcans, because you never... You don't... You're always honest, and I knew that you... you know, I knew what you were doing. There are no... I don't feel anything. There's none of that anywhere which of course there is like you can tell by her as much as she tries to hide it when she's talking to him you can tell by her reactions that there obviously was um so maybe they'll get into that more maybe that's just kind of setting up like where we know that uh future chapel sort of ends up with him um and then at the very end you have uh pike making dad jokes about pirates which i thought was hilarious um because I'm pretty sure he's the first he's the Hashtag first me too. he's the first uh captain slash lead of a show to crack dad jokes, which I thought was hilarious. Um and then uh you know you have Spock and Tapring kind of reestablishing their whole thing and Tapring was very much like, Oh, I, I knew what you were doing because I knew there was no way you could have feelings for Chapel and he does kinda he, he doesn't say well, he doesn't say like, yeah, of course not, but you can, but he doesn't cop to it. You can see it on his face that he's also having. Yeah, you could see him kind of go. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, of course not. I would never. I did like the, the fact that the whole kiss happened. It's like the reluctant start, but then it's like mm-hmm. people go into it. It's like, yeah, we don't have any feelings for each other. Of course. And I did like, I did it's like the fact too. I did like the fact too, just to backtrack a little bit. This is more of a this is more of a pull than like something having to do with the plot. But that guy that that T'Pring was talking to on the rehabilitation facility, uh, Stan, is yeah. the guy that, is the guy that she will eventually leave Spock for in a mock time. Wow. Okay. So, but then the hmm. final thing we get is you have, I believe it was one more conversation scene between Spock and Chapel, where, you know, it's after all the stuff is done with, and they're walking down the corridor, and he goes, you know, I knew immediately who the prisoner actually was, and I'm pretty sure that Zavarius is a fake name, and what, what who she was actually looking for, who she was actually looking for was somebody, bless you, sir. Who she she was actually looking for is somebody that I was told to stay away from my entire life. My half-brother, Cybok. 
And at the very end, you see a guy, you don't see his face, but you see a guy in kind of a similar white robe to what Cybok wore through all of Final Frontier. Yep, um, and the similar he, hair. He kind of had the hair. The and the beard. He looked, he looked younger than... Uh, yes, what the beards too, yep. Yeah, so I mean, to me, and like we said, I don't think this is something you're going to see again in this season at least, but since they're already working on season two, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back again. And if they can... If this show can fix the person that I consider to be, and we'll, when we'll get into this more in a couple weeks when we do Final Frontier with Tim and everything, uh, if this show can fix what I consider to be the worst villain in any of the movies, this thing will go down in Star Trek history. Um, but yeah, it was a neat little moment. I'll be interested to see what they do with it. Um it's also it's also kind of funny how much uh, Sarah gets around. If we didn't already know that, I probably would have been more shocked by it than I was. But I mean, the minute the minute she and I gotta say, and maybe this is also just a, a thing of how much Trek knowledge we all have. I don't know if anybody other than me was like the minute she said, you know. I had a husband who, a Vulcan husband who didn't necessarily follow the logical path. I went, oh fuck, she's talking about Cybok, <laughs> like immediately. Well, see, I see, I didn't, I didn't immediately think that it was him, just because I'm like, there would be, I'm like, why would they even bring Cybok into this? Like, I'm like, he's like one of the least, like, liked characters or whatever and the one of the least liked uh movies it's like he's kind of like a foot stamp on everything it's like why would you even bring this guy into this show and then boom they bring this guy into this show especially when you got the whole stuff because then it's like now you got to explain to everybody that yeah this is spock's actual biological like half brother as opposed to michael who is like an adopted sister and then like, you know, and then it's going to be like, well, does Sarek have any more kids hanging out out there? And it's it like, you know, it doesn't actually bring... it does make it does make sense for them to bring Cybok in for various reasons. Uh, namely, uh, they be, uh, seriously, I mean, they've been trying to do the uh, whole Vulcans not following logic through throughout the series. I mean, throughout the franchise, you know. And not, and uh, they had you know in uh, in Discovery the new seasons they have Nivar where Romulans and Vulcans are living together so it makes sense for them to explore that part of uh, Vulcans that we don't often see where they don't necessarily follow logic uh, but you know they yeah. may not even want to and we don't get to see that often and I think uh, they could explore uh, they they could uh, literally explore. A whole new part of the franchise that they never got really into, for sure. And just I, I know you've been hanging up on something similar with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, this will not break canon unless they keep him away. If they keep him away from Uhura, they can do this without breaking anything. Well. Well, there's there's a big difference between my thoughts on Kenobi and my thoughts on this because with I this I have no. Oh, what now? Well, his whole thing about the Kenobi show is that it breaks canon left and right, and my argument is that it doesn't. 
Um, but I dude, just, are you watching sorry. the same show, dude? Are you watching the same show? Yeah, sorry, I was. Uh, I sorry, I had to. I had to mute my mic for a second. Um, so anyway, like like I was saying, the difference between my thoughts on Kenobi and my thoughts on this are more like because with Kenobi, um, there are canon issues because it's all in the same universe. With this, I've already made up my mind that this is a different timeline. So they could have okay. Cyborg do whatever he wants and it don't matter to me because i've already decided that this is you know something different anyway and that it doesn't really affect any of the movies or tos or anything like that so you know but for those of, but for those of us who don't believe that yet until we're actually told that yeah. like myself um as mm. long as they keep him away from uhura this one should not break anything um yeah because no one on the, no one on the Enterprise in in Kirk's time actually knew that he had a half sibling. Um, mm. so. Yep. But yeah, I actually. Yeah, but we never knew. Yeah, we also never knew that you know Hura and Spock served on Enterprise at the same time either. Yeah. I, I never mean, said, I never said they didn't. But, yeah, that's true too. But you know, uh, yeah, I mean, unless you get Uhura off the ship completely, it's like you can't keep and just like it really depends on what they're gonna do with him. But it's like as far if they're gonna make his arc or you know that part of season two or whatever is happening with the rest <laughs> of season one, it's just there's no way Uhura doesn't know. Yeah, you can't keep Actually, it just like unless she's not on the ship. But even when she comes back on the ship. Like Scuttlebutt is gonna tell her. Yeah, there could. Yeah, we'll see. I think depending. Yeah, depending on what they do with this. I mean, this could be. Oh, well, just keeps pointing out. Like this is alternate universe, so it doesn't really matter to the canon. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the moment where uh, you might actually be able to convince me that of that, depending <laughs> on what they do with Cybok. Um, I'm more than ready for it. Like I want to see like a. a a version of Cyborg that doesn't fucking suck. Um, so I'm I'm more than ready for them to do that. I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to be whining about like, well, it contradicts this, 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 and the other thing. Like, just give me, give me a version of that character that doesn't blow dog balls, and I'm happy. You know, like whatever they decide they to do. do I think they're going to do them good. So yeah. So I like this one a lot more than the last one, just because, and it's not necessarily the no, I don't need the you know action. What? You know what? I had an issue with this episode where uh, the the uh, non-binary character was, you know, putting her, uh, projecting her issues uh, that uh, 21st uh, real century is dealing with, projecti- projecting it all on Spock. When, you know, in reality, those two, at least in my opinion, aren't even the same issues, you know? I, I had an issue with that. Yeah, but to me, to me it made sense. I, I can see where you would have the issue, but to me it made sense given the stuff in the the body swap show where he is way obviously way more conflicted about his human Vulcan shit than uh like the TOS version of the character that we've seen. So like to me she was she was playing it, or she. Actually, you they... know what? Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I mean, it kind of makes sense, knowing she's the villain, that she would do that because she was, you know, trying to, you know, just, you know, well, plus, if she get was him off balance. If, if they were married to his half-brother, then, 
of course she's gonna know that shit about him. Oh, of course, yeah. Like, plus, 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 with this Spock, I mean, you know, which I'm glad, you know, they're kind of <laughs> focusing on this because they, um, uh, you know, like I said previously, they've never really focused on the whole, you know, thing with him being half human, half Vulcan, which really does come into a play a lot. Even though they kind of make it seem like he don't, he doesn't care. He obviously does care. I mean, you would care if you know your whole society was like hated you because you were like half human. You know what I mean? So I do like yeah. the idea that he's he's kind of um, that he's kind of uh, conflicted about the fact of being. And it doesn't even go into the whole non-binary thing. I mean, that's something different. I mean, it also goes into you know the whole point of him being half human and half Vulcan even goes back to like, um, you know, uh, biracial kids, you know what I mean? Who are half white and half black for one reason or half Asian and half Spanish or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it, you have different cultures or whatever. So Spock biologically, you know, is stuck between how his, emo how his human side feels and how his Vulcan side feels and how he's supposed to behave as a Vulcan but also dealing with the fact that he has the human side of him, which goes against everything that the Vulcans are trying to do. So I like that they're that they're focusing a lot on well, not a lot, but I like how they're actually focusing now on um, Spock's inner conflict, um, since that was kind of a thing that Roddenberry never really wanted to focus on, which I always thought was kind of weird. But I guess that was because he had like a higher thing of. You know, we would be beyond those things, but honestly, that's that's my whole. If I had a beef with Trek, that's my beef is that like Roddenberry thought that we would be beyond all those things in like 500 years. I mean, if anything, when you go out into space and you find other species or whatever, if anything, that's going to be um, heightened the differences and everything like that and stuff Not like that. So maybe man. as a maybe maybe as like yeah, but maybe as a planet we we settled all of our differences but when you go out into space and you find something that looks like a klingon like there's gonna be an issue <laughs> you know what i mean and the way they behave and the way humans in that century behave there's gonna be conflict there's gonna be issues and then also when you start intermixing the rate you know the species it's like it's gonna cause a conflict with those offsprings where it's like well you know uh, for example, like Balana, um, you know, Balana is half human, half Klingon, and she clearly has issues with reconciling those because Klingons are very different than humans, and their behavior is very different, and the way they're they're raised are very different, the way they're biologically is very different. So, I mean, it makes sense that if you had somebody who was two different species, even if it's technically possible, um, you know. It, it would cause an issue. It would cause an internal issue. And I mean, it's not like once we get beyond like poverty and whatever and want, it's not like your internal struggles go away. Like obviously people are going to have internal issues. And I think that was always the thing I always had a problem with, with Trek is that they always tried to make it seem like nobody had internal issues, which is why I like the inclusion of Deanna, you know, Deanna as a, as a counselor, because it's like, they're finally showing that like, you know, people have, issues whether it's mentally or you know just day to day or whatever like you're gonna have interpersonal issues and that was always roddenberry's thing is that he didn't want any interpersonal issues on the shows which i think 
that's uh, why they hurting were, more than they helping. Him to, that's why they removed him from TNG because it became too hard to mm. write the shit. Because he was yeah. Yeah, I kind of disagree with the, with you, Justin. Unfortunately, I'm with uh, Roddenberry on this. Mm. Yeah, but I get you. I, I get I get what you mean and what you're saying. I get it, but I do disagree. <laughs> I can see I can well, see both points. I think my thing is I'm kind of with Justin because, and I'm looking at it more from a writing standpoint than a you know where are we going to be as humans in mm-hmm. 24 or whatever. Yeah. But just on a in a basic writing standpoint, uh, drama is created from some form of conflict, and the fact that Roddenberry was so like there are reams of stuff from like the early seasons of TNG about how he would go into every script they wrote and were like oh no you have to take this out because we wouldn't you know humanity wouldn't view this this way and that's why the first the first two seasons of TNG before Michael Pillar comes in and says no you can actually do that and you can actually have like you know, you don't want them, like, fighting each other, but you can actually have things where they don't necessarily agree all the time. Like the, first, the first two seasons of TNG are so inert, like, because he was constantly going in and being like, no, you can't do that. Um, like, one of, the ex- one of the examples was, and maybe we'll do this one someday, too, was uh, the, I believe it was an early season three episode. It might have been one of the first ones that Pillar wrote, The Bonding about that kid whose mom dies and then he he like becomes part of war's family um yeah roddenberry had a huge problem with that one because he was like everyone in in federation society wouldn't care about death like we would be advanced past giving a shit about death even this 10 year old kid would not care that his mother died he'd be like okay that's fine Which makes which makes zero sense because it's human nature. It's part of human thing, like emotions, mourning, you know, connecting. Like that's all part of human emotions. Like think about it. Right now, it's the year twenty twenty two. What besides like technological advances and medical advances and societal advances? I mean, I'm sure people in fifteen twenty two have the same kind of you know, emotional thing as people in 2022, you know what I mean? So yeah, to yeah. think that in 500 years, we're going to be somehow beyond human nature really doesn't make sense. And that's always been kind of my beef in general with Trek is that like, it's a, it's a little too, he tried to make it a little too, um, robotic. Um, yeah. Like yeah. sterile. And it's like, and it's like, you know, it's like, it's like there are, there are interpersonal issues and I like, and I like that, that there's no poverty, but I'm sure there is poverty at some point. I mean, I'm sure not everybody has everything. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I I get what he, I'm going to duck back to Spock for a minute just because you brought up, you brought up a good point about Spock and the dual nature and all that stuff. That is one thing I will give. The way that is now being dealt with is is one of the things I will give the JJ movies credit for, in the sense of in in TOS, uh, it always seemed to me that
um, JJ movies, Sarek is the only Vulcan who doesn't hate him. So, like, to me, they've kind of got... That's one thing they've taken from the JJ movies and are actually kind of doing it correctly now because, like, it never made sense to me in TOS. Like, why would his own father, who would be fully aware of what he was doing, why would his own father hate him so much for for something that he knew he was going to be, but that society as a whole didn't seem to care? You know, but they they have that right now with what they're doing now. I do think it leads, it gives you more avenues for drama with him than what they were doing early on. Um, I did prefer this one. I did think, you know, early on before you realize what the pirate queen person actually was, it was just kind of like, wow, she's being really forward with Spock about like his, you know, his heritage and all that kind of stuff. For like, I was almost kind of wondering, like, and before you find out what she actually was, I was almost kind of wondering, like, had they met before and and we just didn't see it or, like, he hasn't mentioned it? Because it seems like she's being really out front with him about a lot of stuff that should be none of her fucking business. Um, so, but I did enjoy this one a lot. Um, I, got, I would have to see where it ranks with the other ones, but... Um, and Justin, you said you didn't like this one as much. I guess we can go over that a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, basically with this one, I, uh, I mean, it was a nice filler episode. Um, you know, it was it was kind of nice and everything. Like, oh, a pirate takes over. You know, tries to steal the Enterprise. There really wasn't any kind of world building. There wasn't ever really any kind of anything really. And if you're talking I about an episode like beyond Federation uh, space, so. And if you're talking about an episode where, like, nobody does anything, really nobody does anything in this episode except for really Spock and Chapel. I mean, their whole thing going on there um, was really the only character development per se. I mean, everything Pike and Una and all them did, I mean, you know, it was kind of all like, oh, yeah, we're just causing a mutiny in this random ship that's trying to take our ship. Like, you know, it all kind of seemed like, yeah, it was like a nice thought and it was a nice episode, but it kind of just seemed like somebody had this idea and they're like, oh yeah, we'll just throw this in there or whatever, which I mean, you know, once again, when you're dealing with episodic television in a 10, 10 episode series, it's like, don't, don't just throw random shit in there just to throw random shit in there. Like, you know, it, don't get me wrong. It was a nice episode. It was whatever, you know, it's, it's kind of building a little bit towards Cyborg now. So you get that and it, and it does give you a, a nice little villain in, in Captain Angel you know, who's probably going to come back at some point. So, I mean, it did little things, but in general, I would say I'm probably a little more negative in terms of the overall show for this episode, as opposed to all the other ones. I would say this one's probably the lowest one for me, just because, you know, it kind of doesn't really do anything. I mean, we already knew there was stuff outside the Federation. We already knew there was, you know, issues or whatever. I mean, it's been done tons of times. So it's not really like, you know, the fact that there's, people against the federation inside the federation you know is something new and different or whatever you know what i mean and yeah uh, yeah so i mean it you know it really didn't do anything for me in general i mean it was just like oh yeah this was a nice filler episode that kind of 
messes with the uh, the love triangle idea again from um, Spock Amok, which we just did. So why are you using another episode this season to go do it if you're not going to actually pull the trigger on it? And then you're introducing Cybok. I mean, that was essentially the only thing this episode did was introduce Cybok, which, I mean, I think you could have done in a better way. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's definitely, you know, I just... I thought it was paced better um, as much as, you know, in these 50-minute episodes, I'm not sure how much pacing actually matters um, when you're just trying to do things with a clear beginning, middle, and end um, in in these like you're not with the other shows. Um, yep, I enjoyed this one. I don't know. Milos, do you have anything? Uh, well, particular? I have to say, nah, I mean, you guys covered most of the points as the episode goes so like cyborg part is like i don't know how necessary he was uh, for well not this episode but i guess for the show the fact that they brought him in means they do plan to use him again so there's gonna be a cyborg card stuff that's gonna happen whether that's the wrap up season one whether that's something that happens in season two don't really know but at the end of the day uh i i'm kind of leaning toward might get resolved in season one, mostly because if they're bringing Kirk back in season, if they're bringing James Kirk in season two, and they're bringing Cyborg in season two, like the fact that there is a half brother, Bog's half brother is going to come up, and that point, like you can't really pretend that this is in any part connected to the, you know, like you have to put this in the new universe, otherwise everything, right? You know, in like in Final Frontier, I think of an oopsie. To be like, huh? So they all knew him, but nobody knows him in a movie. How's that make yep. sense? So, yeah, but because I think I, they resolved this in season one. But as far as like Justin called it a filler episode, I guess he called last season the filler episode, and this was something that we alluded to at the beginning. Like you kind of expect the letdown at some point, and we didn't have it. Uh, I think these, if you take these. Sixth and seventh episode compared to the first five. There's a slight drop down in certain aspects, but I, I'm not worried about it. I'm not at all worried about it. Like, I'm still stupidly in love with this show. I have a big ass smile on my face every time the episode comes up. It's like, this show, this strange new world has done, have done so much for me to rejuviate my love for Star Trek. It's like with no. Discovery, yeah. even though I love Discovery, with Picard, even though I'm I'm a big fan of Picard season one, not so much season two. It's like they've been so draining emotionally. Actually, watch Strange New World is refreshing, and this what that's what this show and like yeah, this last two episodes may have been like slight drop in quality or whatever you wanna like you wanna look at it from that point. But it's like this show is still so fucking refreshing. Yep. No, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I mean, these were kind of a drop in terms of that, but it's still still so much more satisfying than anything they've done with the other shows of late that this one gets a lot of leeway from me. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I mean, mean, no, I mean no matter... I'm going to say this at this point. They can drop a deuce in episode eight, and, like, big part of me wouldn't even care. Yep. 
It's true. I mean, I'm I'm saying I'm saying that I'm like negative on this show and that it's more of a filler episode, but I still enjoyed watching it. Like, no, no, no. like it's not. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not so much. I'm saying like this was a bad episode. It's just yeah. more of yeah, like yeah. Oh, yeah, it doesn't really. Know. You know what I mean? Of course. It doesn't really seem like it's on the same stature as like the other episodes had been, where they did a nice balance of um, plot and character development. It just seems like, I mean, this episode six for me dropped it down a little bit just because there wasn't a whole lot of plot going on with the episode and they focused too much on character development. And on this one, it just kind of seemed like they were just trying to get to Cybok where it's like you could have made it a little, you know, better. You know what I mean? You could have, yeah. you know, I don't know. So, so these doing these shows actually helps me work through a lot of these, um, which in the case of like Picard this past year was like I need this in order to not hate this show, but you know, at least you're we're pointing out things that that get me past the like blind point of like, oh I absolutely love this and you know, they could do anything and I wouldn't care kind of which is where I was for the first couple of these. Um so quite Which I don't blame you. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't blame you for that because I mean the the first couple of episodes were pretty great, and honestly, because of all the slog that we've had for like the last couple of years, I mean, you know, well, me in general with Discovery, but I mean, I know you guys like Discovery, but in general, I've really haven't been a fan of all this new Trek stuff except for uh, Lower Decks and Prodigy, which are the two cartoons. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to enjoy a live action version of Trek again. You know, so yeah. I think my cat Spock heard his name again because he's in here, kind of staring <laughs> at me. <laughs> live, live uh, long and prosper, little Spock. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. So uh, there are only three episodes of this left, and I'm so bummed. Yeah, like, me too, man. Uh, like you said earlier, like I wish there was like 25 episodes or at least 20 episodes. Oh. We could we at least do like you know the early seasons of Discovery where they're doing like fifteen? Could we at least do that. Like twenty five is not. I don't think twenty five a year is reasonable in this climate anymore. But could we at least do like thirteen, fifteen? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- want- I think I think the problem is is yeah, I think the problem is that they're going on this whole like ten episodes for everything type of thing. I mean, we saw that in Picard. Um, we're kind of seeing that now that they're kind of downgrading discovery more to like 10 episodes. Um, this is 10 episodes. Um, you know, so that, that kind of seems like what they're doing is that that's the formula they're going with, which, I mean, I don't necessarily like the idea that you're sticking. I mean, if you look at the other side, like if you're looking at your competition, uh, Disney plus, I mean, Kenobi's only what, six episodes, uh, um, Hawkeye was only... Yeah, Hawkeye was only six episodes. Um, and then one division was nine. Uh, Bucky and, and uh, Falcon were only four. You know and what I mean? Six. Like that was six. All the one hour, all the oh, one six. hour stuff, all the one hour stuff on on the Marvel one hour stuff on Disney Plus has all been six. Because hmm. Loki was Loki was that Falcon and Bucky was that Miss Marvel's gonna be that. As well, I think huh. She Hulk is supposed to be eight, I think, but that's more half that's like half hour sitcom I guess. Yeah, 
And then and then you also see stuff like the boys. Like the boys has been anywhere between like eight and twelve or whatever. Like you I know, it's that yet. Ugh. Yeah, it's you know, it's so I mean, you know, they're kind of going on this thing where like you know, like Game of Thrones was like ten episodes. Like they're going on this model that like I don't understand. It's kind of funny for a show that's supposed to be so progressive and like show the future or whatever. They're on like this antiquated model of like, oh, we need to have 10 episodes. Oh, we need to have like a series order. It's like, just write the episodes, make it concise, make it clean, and just be like, listen, we're not going to give you 20, but if you want to go 11 or 12, that's fine, whatever. You know what I yeah. mean? And then next year you can go eight well, if you want. Who cares? You know, I, you I know but the problem right is is that with them wanting everything back to back to back to back, it's really hurting it. Yep. I do think um you'd mentioned that it sounds like Discovery season five is gonna be ten. Uh that is the one case where I think the reduction in episodes will actually help because uh. they they've done thirteen to fifteen every year. And the one thing that writing staff has shown is they don't have the ability to write enough story to actually cover that. So if they can get that down to 10, maybe that'll actually be better. Um, Unfortunately, with Discovery, they're they're kind of a a ship afloat in space with really no impulse engines. Because the problem is is that they kind of just go wherever the breeze takes them. It's like... You know, they they started off with like this weird Klingon war thing or whatever with these weird looking Klingons and the the Red Angel thing or whatever. You know, all this nonsense. And then and then you have this stuff. And then they switch gears and they go right into Pike, Spock, and Una. And then they go with that for a season. And then now they're in the future. And so then now they go with the future stuff. And then now I don't even know what they're doing in season four. But like it's like. You know, it's like they're very much like where they were supposed to be at the beginning or where they should have been at the beginning is where they are now. And it's like, you know, it, it kind of seemed like that was a show without any real direction. And it was just kind of like, oh, let's just put out a Trek show because, you know, we're, we're killing the brand and we're not on TV and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it, I don't know. It just it kind of seems like that show has always been directionalist. So it's always like, well, that show can kind of do whatever. And I think they've just been trying to fix their wrongs with these other shows. And I think the episode order um, is not like the series orders for all these seasons is not is not a good is not a good uh, idea. The good the good rectification of everything is what they're doing with Strange New Worlds, which is. They're focusing on the plot. They're focusing on characters. They're focusing on the, the content rather than you know, everything around it. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I think that pretty much covers everything uh, for these two. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously we will uh, reconvene next week for episode eight. Hopefully. Um, do we want, if, if uh, we title of the Elysian kingdom. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot about that. We usually do that with these. Um, no plot though not as far yeah. as uh, I'm wondering goes. if we're finally I'm wondering if we're finally going to get the the Ortegas centered episode or is she just going to continue to be a hood ornament um, yes I'm, I'm waiting for that because Ortega has been slowly growing on me and I am I, these. If, if I had a positive of these two episodes 
she would be the positive of these two episodes because I just liked, you know, like her, like with the the manual driving again, which once again reminded me a lot of the pedal to the metal commander from uh, yeah. um, Galaxy Quest and stuff like that. You know, like she seems to really be comfortable on bridge into her own and everything like that. And I really wish we would know a little more about her, you know. Even if it's yeah. just like they could have even done it in this episode, like you know, you could have been like, "Oh, she was, you know, the the kid of pirates or something." Who knows? Whatever. You know what I mean? Like they, that, that's why that's why this they... one just came, kind of seemed like it was a waste because it's like you could have used the the other stuff for like a little more development, like for her, for example. Yep. Anyone also think when they first went into the went into the asteroid field at the frontier? And that energy web popped up. Did anyone other than me think, "Oh fuck, they're actually gonna do the Tholians"? Yeah, I was like, "Don't do Tholian web." I was like, "Tholians, no." Yeah, but I was like, "That's totally Tholian web." I wouldn't. The way they handled it, that's find the weak spot where the energy is coming from, blow that one up. Like, okay, they just use the concept of it, not. Yep. I wouldn't be shocked if they eventually do do that because I feel like that's another like the Gorn. I feel like that's another um, alien race that hasn't really been used all that much. That now that they have some, some budget with this show, they could actually do that pretty well. Budget and technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here here's an interesting point about uh, Chapel that I I found myself wondering. Um, not only did we get the a certain degree of the Spock Chapel action that I've apparently been calling for this entire time, um, which I think came up in episode one or two or something, and that's what somebody accused me of, so we'll go with that. Um, I did find it interesting. Uh, at one point, she has a conversation with that angel person, and she goes, based on the look on your face, I, I, I think you have a complete understanding of how motivating love is for people. Do we think that's an acknowledgement of her husband from uh, EOS? I don't know. Because that that gave me thoughts of Roger Corby, <laughs> at least. I don't know. Because, you know, the whole alternate timeline thing. Just, I can't compare yeah. this to <laughs> anything that happened in any of the original series. <laughs> Because my my um, mind is reducing. It's like everything that happens here has nothing to do with what happened before. If you have the original um, timeline, you have the Colin timeline, J.J. Abrams, and then you have whatever these the new Star Trek shows are supposed to be. Yep. I'm, okay. I'm poisoning minds little by little. <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't accept it if it didn't make sense. And. I'm not I'm not going with that until they either do something that expressly breaks it, which they have not yet, or Paramount, They're about out, to. Paramount just comes out and John, says it. Join the dark side of the force. You're killing me, man. I'm debating whether 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 you even want me on the Kenobi show, because all I'm going to be doing while you guys are going about, on about, like, how much this show breaks everything, I'm going to be like, no, it's not, because it doesn't expressly say any of it. <laughs> it does. It does in so many fucking ways, John. You're, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I'm glad. 
Yeah, John, John, we need you. John, we need you on that because we need we need the dichotomy between points of views. We can't just yeah, we can't we can't just have like four or five people just we shitting on the good. show. We need you yeah. on there to say, hey, you know, this was actually a great piece of artwork or whatever. You yeah. know, Third right, Sister is a great is a great great character and and does excellent I'm acting. Sure we need you to have that on. Sure Dude, hey, give me your own show, man. That speaks volumes. Okay, well, I think we're good here. Oh, you got the news of people who are getting their own show. Jon Snow is getting his own show. Yeah, I don't think that ever actually happens. I think that I think they uh, they will go to a certain extent with that, and then wait, they're still not doing Arya Stark uh, spinoff. I mean, are they stupid? Oh, nope. uh, yeah, they are they're stupid. Doing, yeah, that's they're right. doing yeah. a they're doing a sequel show with Jon that Kit Harrington is apparently coming back for. Oh, so, good grief. Um, I I don't think it ever happens. I think they will get to a certain point with it development wise, and then be like, "This is dumb," and they're not going to do it. Um, but that's just me. Uh, so yeah, I think we're good here. Uh, Milos and I are going to spin off and do the unbearable weight of mass talent real quick. Nice. Probably about forty five minutes or so, and then we'll hold that for later in the week. Um, do we want to do, I guess if we just have episode eight next week, do we want to do, um, Voyage Home or should Milos and I do the Doctor Who thing just so we're up to date on that? Well, Boris, we might want to do Doctor Who. Oh yeah, you wanted to do Sea Devils too, didn't you? Yeah, I wanted to, but uh, you know what, uh, I kind of, yeah, I... The next episode or a special or whatever. Oh yeah, come I mean, back. Yeah, you you two you you two do the sea devils without me. I'll do. I'll jump oh. on to the next one. Well, okay, we'll so we'll see because because I may have a scheduling issue next weekend. So you guys can uh, if you guys want to do your uh, um you know your Doctor Who stuff. I mean, you guys can do that stuff if you want. Well, I, I got my. I got my schedule for next week, and I'm wide open for the weekend. So, okay, we'll figure that out later on. Yeah. <laughs> so we we'll can't just adjust. We'll figure that out later in the week. That's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, no worries. Also, uh, we'll have some version of a review of Lightyear uh, at some point in the next day or two. I'll be going to see that in a few hours. Um, so it'll probably just be me. It might be me and Corey if I can get it. Um, so there'll be something. It'll probably be the short, like, 20, 25-minute sort of thing that we tend to do for the solo deals. Um, but expect to see that probably by Monday. Uh, so, yeah. Um, we're going to close the captain's log on this one. Thanks for joining me, gentlemen. Uh, and we will do the, some version of this again next week. You got him, man. All right, wow. later, boys. Later. Um, dismiss the robot here. He's alive.